be done. Okay, please say thank you very much. Thank you. It hasn't been a stellar week for the Education Secretary. Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a f good job because everyone else has sat on their ass and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that, no? In middle of a full-blown crisis, she spent much of the week on camera, swearing when she thought an interview had ended and then apologising for swearing. And all the time insisting that the government has done a good job even though schools up and down the country are crumbling. Now, we've done a really good job, the department and everybody, we've been working really hard on this. We've done a really good job. But the government hasn't done a good job on this. No government has for years and years, because that's how long warnings have existed about the risks of collapsing concrete in public buildings, including schools. It's been on the agenda for governments, so of different political persuasions, for decades now. We were saying there's a critical risk to life if this programme is not funded. While I was the Permanent Secretary in 2018, a concrete block fell from the roof of a primary school. So it wasn't just a risk, it was actually starting to happen. But despite the evidence, the warnings were ignored and the government took what's been described as a sticking plaster approach to fixing schools. But it's not the sort of problem you can just wish away. As the government are now learning, it's bound to return as an even bigger disaster. Thousands of students are facing significant disruption at the start of the new term after more than 100 schools were ordered to close classrooms. It's over safety concerns about what is known as rack, the type of concrete that's known to be at risk of crumbling. All eyes are on schools, but the reality is there's so many other buildings out there, from prisons to libraries, office buildings, housing. It's the sort of thing you expect from cowboy builders, saying that everyone else is wrong, everyone else is to blame, protesting they've done an effing good job, even as the ceiling falls in. Well, Mr Speaker, this is exactly the kind of political opportunism that we've come... Exactly the kind of opportunism that we've come to expect from Captain Hindsight over here. This is a scandal that some say goes all the way to the top. Did Rishi Sunak, as Chancellor, stop schools from being repaired? How much did the government know about the risks? And is this an issue that will dog the Prime Minister all the way to the election? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today crumbling Britain and a concrete crisis, what the government knew and when. I'm Kate McCann. I'm Times Radio's new political editor. What a week to begin. Yeah. Kate, <laughs> Kate 
A lot of pupils across the country will have gone on holiday about six weeks ago. They're just about to come back. And in the meantime, it feels like everything in the world of schools has changed. Suddenly, we're in middle of a crisis. What happened in those six weeks to put the safety of schools at the top of everyone's agenda? Well, this is one of those issues that unless you work in the government department or in certain areas of a local authority or a school, you're right, this will come completely out of the blue. You may never have heard of RAC, this specific type of crumbly concrete, but it's been on the government's agenda for a really long time. What's changed over the summer is that there have been a number of collapses in schools and educational settings which have led the department to think again about whether or not they should reclassify some of these buildings. And it's also led to a much broader look across not just education now, but public sector and hospitals too, to find out where else this concrete might be. I mean, that's remarkable. There have actually been collapses. So it's a relief it happened during the summer holidays. Tell us what we know about those cases. We know that there was a collapse in 2018, which first raised alarm bells about the rack issue. But these three cases over the summer that we've just heard about from the Secretary of State are where things have really become much more worrying. The first of these was in a commercial setting. The second was in a school in a different educational jurisdiction. And in this instance, the plank that failed remained suspended, resting on a steel beam. My understanding is it was a special educational needs department. Then a third failure of RAC panels occurred at a school in England in late August. We know that in these cases, the RAC concrete had been graded as non-critical. So there was an expectation that it wouldn't fail. But in those cases, it has and without warning. So you can see why the department had suddenly got very worried. Because children's safety is our absolute priority and it was right to make the difficult decision to change our guidance for education settings so that areas previously deemed to contain non-critical RAC are now being closed. And in terms of the tone of communications, the Education Secretary herself has come under fire for some of that. Just remind us of, of how the scandal broke. Gillian Keegan herself, rather than doing a round of media interviews over the weekend, She made a video originally, actually, which had a slightly bizarre dance track in the background of it. RAC stands for Reinforced Autoclade Aerated Concrete, and it's a lightweight form... And that video was sort of playing down a lot of the risks, saying, don't worry, we know where the problem is, we're going to fix it. It's not as bad as as maybe you might think. But the safety of students and all of those working in our schools is my number one priority. That didn't land particularly well. She went out to do a round of media interviews subsequent to that, which again didn't particularly, you know, lend themselves to reassuring people. It is not the job of the Department for Education. We wanted to... A school collapsed. Yes. And it took you four years to send out questionnaires to find out how many schools had RAC. Now, we sent a warning out to the people responsible. But you're saying that the government is not responsible, ultimately, for the safety of children in schools. The the school building's responsibility is with local authorities and multi-academy trusts. And, of course, later on, after another one of those interviews, Gillian Keegan was caught on a hot mic, so she was still mic'd up. Uh, She gave some comments off-camera, which were then made public. She used some expletives and suggested that, you know, she should get some credit for some of the work that she'd done. And I think that's gone down really badly. So 
She's been forced to apologise. She said she regrets the use of language, but, you know, stands firm and says she is frustrated by what's going on at the moment. We'll come back to Kate in a moment. But before that, the Times received an interesting letter from an engineer with an impressive track record who said he'd always been wary of Rack and thought that it had been missold for decades. So, we got in touch. Hello, I'm John Roberts. I'm a chartered structural engineer and a chartered civil engineer. And I was the president of the Institution of Structural Engineers, which is the professional body that accredits structural engineers, both in the UK and worldwide. So you really are just the man to ask about this, because... For most of us, we hadn't really heard of, of Rack before, but over the last week, it's been all over the headlines. So just stepping back, explain what exactly it is. Rack, or reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, it's made of cement with other chemicals put into it and water. And when you mix this uh, group of materials together... We're left with air bubbles inside a mixture of hardened cement paste. And then you autoclave it, which is to heat it up very hot over a period of about a day or so. The positive features of it are that it can be manufactured very quickly. And it's very lightweight because it comprises a huge number of air bubbles. So what it is mostly used for forgetting about the reinforcement you put into it, is to make concrete blocks. The public often call them breeze blocks, which you use for building walls. And very good for that purpose. The problem came when somebody decided to use it in place of ordinary concrete for planks which would span across big openings. And for that purpose, you need to put steel reinforcement into it. So rack planks, these are the things that are causing all the problems now, contain reinforcing bars of steel in the bottom surface of them. So rack is very different to the concrete we know, which gets mixed in drums and has stones in it. This is a much weaker substance, but how do people get hold of it? They weren't purpose designed by engineers or architects for each project. They were selected from a catalogue prepared and and promoted by the manufacturer. You didn't really have a lot of information about it. And then it arrived on a lorry. So when these rack blocks were being used, mainly on flat roofs in public buildings like schools, how long were they supposed to last? Well, that's um, a very interesting point, because I, I notice now there's statements being made saying that these were short life materials designed only to last perhaps 30 years and they've now reached the end of their life so it's not surprising they're giving problems. My memory on this is very clear that there was never any warnings given that these were short-term limited life materials. That was never published, never promoted of course by the manufacturers who were selling them so they were being sold as if they were like ordinary structural materials concrete or steel with an expected lifespan 
the standardized lifespan of a building in the UK is 50 years. So materials shouldn't have been used that have a lifespan of less. And I don't think these materials were uh, being uh, notified as having a very short lifespan when they were first used. And with rack, with this lightweight version of concrete, much weaker version of concrete, when, when did it actually appear? The invention of it as a material, not necessarily as a reinforced plank, but the AAC bit of rack, the aerated autoclaved concrete bit of rack, was invented in the late 1920s. The use of panels, panels and not blocks, did start in the 1950s and probably reached a peak in the 60s and early 70s through to about 1990 when they stopped being manufactured because of some concerns over them. When did you first come across RAG? Right from when I I started work, I was aware of them. And I I started in practice a long time ago in 1972. Did you use it? No, no, I've never used it. I've always been dubious of it. It just didn't sound right to me. It didn't feel like and sound like an ordinary structural material. So I, I've not ever used it on any project that I've been involved in, uh, certainly to the best of my knowledge. And why do you think in that case that people did use it for so many of these structures? Why would you be worried, in a sense, if you were just uh, selecting a material from a, a big manufacturing facility that was selling a lot of this material all over the country? and being sold for that specific purpose, and you could look at documents that said it was perfectly okay. And John, for you, when this scandal broke, were you surprised by it, or or has this sort of been, you know, a ticking time bomb in your industry? It's not a surprise to structural engineers who keep up to date and, and follow what's going on in the profession. It's been logged as a potential problem for several years now. The sad truth is it takes something like a collapse of a school roof to trigger this kind of proper full-scale investigation, and that's clearly what's underway now. But while this full-scale investigation is underway... Parents across the country don't know if their children's schools are safe. By Tuesday, the government was trying to reassure them with a poster put out across social media emblazoned with the words, most schools unaffected. It drew anger and derision, not least from the Labour Party, who responded with a mock poster of their own issued by the mayor from Jaws announcing, most beachgoers not eaten by shark. Coming up, we'll hear more on the political fallout of this scandal with Kate McCann, who can explain what the government knew and when. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. 
Kate, this is obviously a hugely critical issue right now. There's a real fear about people going back to school and nobody being sure about how safe these schools are at the moment. When did politicians first realise that RAC could be a problem? I mean, it's been on the agenda for governments, so of different political persuasions, for decades now. So the early 90s were really the starting point with the introduction of some really quite significant testing, particularly in the early 1990s, of these schools that still had RAC and how well it was holding up. And then things started to get a little bit more urgent as we move from 1994, 95, and finally through to 1999, where the industry itself got involved with a report from a structural survey safety organisation about schools. The safety body issued a warning to check all of those rack concrete pillars that had been used for safety. I mean, that's alarming. So back in the 90s, this was known. The industry has been ringing the alarm bell government should have been aware of it. When does this become a real issue for schools? In the early 2000s, a couple of committees looked at this particular concrete and suggested again, you know, it's got a lifespan of 30 odd years, 40 years. You can expect some sagging. And the government at the time, in 2005, was the first year of the Buildings for Schools programme, which is Gordon Brown Labour Government's investment programme in secondary school educational buildings. And actually, was a huge amount of money was put into that program to rebuild some of these failing schools. And RAC was part of that. So under Gordon Brown, we've got this policy to really invest in, in doing these buildings up. And then that changes. Talk us through what happens in 2010. It was the introduction of the age of austerity. It was David Cameron who came to power. I wish there was an easier way, but I have to tell you, There is no other responsible way. One of the first things that David Cameron's government did in 2010 was to cancel the Buildings for Schools for the Future programme, which was, as we say, designed to renew the school estate. In the meantime, what what are the Tory government doing in terms of new schools? I mean, around the same time, 2010, 2012, 2015, the Conservative government at the time had a real focus on education, but it was about free schools. You know, opening free schools was part of the Conservative Party's manifesto. It was all about renewing education by starting up new schools. It wasn't really about repairing old ones. And as you say, there's no sense of urgency. There's a watching brief until the worst kind of warning arrives in 2018. Talk us through what happened. Yeah, I mean, this was the alarm bell ringing moment. So in 2018, concrete from above the staff room at Singlewell Primary School in Gravesend in Kent collapsed. Now, it was happened during the summer break, so the collapse didn't hurt anybody. But it did cause lots of people to really rethink, actually, how serious things might be. In December 2018, so just a couple of months after that collapse, the Department for Education and the Local Government Association start exchanging quite urgent emails about what they need to do to warn schools. Hmm. And there was a sense actually from the department at the time that they would need to tread quite carefully with the language that they use. You know, the department was saying, we really don't want to worry anybody. So it still wasn't at that point very urgent, at least publicly, Inside the department, though, Jonathan Slater, who was the permanent secretary at the Department for Education from 2016 to 2020, 
has warned that actually they really did know that something was going to be required on a grand scale. We weren't just saying there's a significant risk of fatality. We were saying there's a critical risk to life if this programme is not funded. This is a school rebuilding programme and that if that didn't happen, there would be critical incidents like the one in that summer of 2018, but that they could actually pose a risk to life. At that point in time... Three to 400 schools needed to be replaced per year. The department went to the Treasury and asked for enough money. The Department for Education goes to the Treasury and say, we need money to rebuild 300 to 400 schools a year, and you got what? So while I was the Permanent Secretary, we got the funding to replace about 100 schools per year. There was a lot of back and forth between the Chancellor and the Department and other ministers. So the actual ask in the spending review in 2021 was to double the 100 to 200. That's what we thought was going to be practical in the first instance. I thought we'd get it. And ultimately... This spending review was completed a year after I left the Department. I was absolutely amazed uh, to see that the decision made by the government was to halve the school rebuilding programme down from 100 a year to 50 a year. Jonathan Sater himself had said that he was quite surprised, quite shocked and actually very frustrated because he'd issued these very stark warnings to the government, to the Treasury, to, to Number 10, and they just weren't listening. You don't know when any individual concrete block is going to crack because it cracks from the inside, but you know it's going to happen, and it has. I mean, that is remarkable. So we, we know that 300 to 400 schools probably needed it, and they only got the money for 50. Yes. And just remind us, who was the Chancellor at the time? It was Rishi Sunak. And he's pushed back very strongly, saying, it's not my responsibility, it's not my fault. That is completely and utterly wrong. Actually, one of the first things I did as Chancellor in my first spending review in 2020 was to announce a new 10-year school rebuilding programme for 500 schools. Also talks about the amount of money that goes into rebuilding programmes. And if you look at what we've been doing over the previous decade, that's completely in line with what we've always done, about 50 or so schools a year refurbished or rebuilt. But the capital spending budget on schools has been, you know, reduced significantly, according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies. And Rishi Sunak, now as Prime Minister, obviously has this at the top of his entry. He's been saying, and a number of ministers when they're addressing this issue have been saying that, you know, they've only just had the evidence that rack is a real problem over this summer and they're now trying to deal with it. But, you know, what's clear is that we've known about it since 2018, since that first collapse in a school. What's happened since then? Because I think most people will wonder why nothing seems to have changed. Yeah, so in December of 2018, as, as we were just talking about, the Department of Education, the local government authority, right to warn schools of the risks of failing rack concrete. And in May 2019, the Structural Safety Committee urges that all pre-1980 rack concrete should be replaced. Now, in March 2022, the National Audit Office estimates that over 8,500 schools contain rack. In December 2022, this was escalated to top officials. So this really is the moment where the department can't deny anymore that it understands the scale of the problem because top officials in the Department for Education are warned that collapse is very, very likely... And after that, of course, this year, in July 
2023, the NAO reports again, warning again that this concrete needs to be replaced. And we start to see these collapses happening in that year, so 2023. We know that this is clearly a current disaster for schools, but how much wider could this problem be? I mean, six courthouses so far, rack concrete has been found. There's uh, reviews into prisons, Ministry of Defence buildings, also local government buildings, libraries, local children's centres, youth centres. Hospitals have been propped up for years now. Some are now failing catastrophically. So this is a huge review now that the government is going to have to undertake. Do we know the full numbers, the, the number of buildings affected, the number of schools affected? We don't know the full numbers yet, and that's because some schools are yet to return questionnaires that the department has sent out to them. So 156 schools, 104 last week who were told that where they were told it wasn't critical, it now is. But beyond that, there could be hundreds more, according to the Secretary of State, which could well be affected by this. The Secretary of State on Monday told interviewers that she thought there was about 1% of schools that were affected, which would be a few hundred but that's not what we seem to be hearing from from industry. Just give us a sense of, of what people, uh, what the experts think the numbers might be. Some reports have said 7,000. Now that comes from the original NAO National Audit Office report. Some industry experts are suggesting that it could be 10% of all UK schools. So that could be around 2,000. But the government disputes that. They say they think there could be a few, a couple of hundred more, maybe three, four, five hundred total I think the big question for parents will be about asbestos, disturbing asbestos during building work, and actually whether everybody really does fully understand what the scale of this problem is and the impact of it overall. How much is this likely to cost? It's very difficult to put an estimate on it, but speaking to people today, a school that had had this issue come up earlier in the year, it had to move pupils out of a certain area of the school, get structural engineers in to look at the rack concrete and people in to replace it, They were told it would be done by the end of the summer holidays. It's now not going to be finished until November. And we all know, anyone who's ever had any building work done, the longer things go on, the bigger the costs pile up. And that is just one school. We're talking about hundreds, potentially. That's going to cost a lot of money. And I think for for any parents listening, there will also be a worry that, you know, we've heard the education secretary saying 1% of schools are affected. We've heard the industry saying it could be 10. That's a huge disparity. Does it feel like the government have really got a handle on what's happening? I I don't think the government has got a handle. And actually, the Secretary of State herself has admitted that. She has said they don't know the full number of schools. But all of those ifs, buts and, and question marks are no reassurance to a parent sending their child off to school or somebody thinking about going into a council building or, you know, a, a leisure centre or a library and wondering how secure they are. While the government feels it's confident that nothing is going to happen, it's going to put children at risk, there will be people listening to them who think, well, I'm, I'm not sure I believe you. And when you get to that stage as a government, it's very dangerous ground because if people don't trust what you're saying, hmm. that's very difficult to regain, I think. For Rishi Sunak, how damaging do you think it's been for him? I think it will be, in the longer term, very damaging. I think Number 10 thinks that they can find a way out of this right now. But when you take a step back, it's a Conservative government that's been in power for 13 years now, plus. And at that point in time, it's very, very difficult because when things start to go wrong on your watch, there really is no one else to blame. And I think that will be the problem 
Not just this issue, but on other things too that Rishi Sunak will have to grapple with in a general election. And I think he probably knows it. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Kate McCann, political editor of Times Radio, and Dr John Roberts, former president of the Institution of Structural Engineers. You can hear Kate on this and all the latest political news on Times Radio. The producer today was Olivia Case, The executive producers were Kate Ford and James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.